1: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. Daniel Jeremiah joined by Bucky Brooks. And Bucky, we are inside a week before we get to Cleveland for the 2021 NFL Draft. And I cannot wait for this thing to finally get here.
2: Yeah, DJ, it's really exciting because we're less than a week away. We've speculated about the players. We've talked about the picks and the potential trades that could happen. But now we're close to being able to see what is going to actually happen. And then we have the fun part of then issuing out grades and doing all that other fun stuff.
0: Now, tell everybody what we got on the show today. We got jam-packed show today, Buck.
2: Yeah, jam-packed show today. So first, we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence 360. Fantastic uh, segment that we have uh, with people that know him. We also will go on and talk about Uh, Zach Wilson and what has been the result of his rise, why he's really shot up the charts. And finally, we're going to take the Patriots into the body shop and make sure that we get them fixed and ready to go so they can return to being one of the top teams in the AFC.
0: I love the body shot, man. Uh, we get the Patriots in there, see if we can't fix them up a little bit. Uh, but before we get to all that stuff, I, I do want to talk about some recent events here. Trey Lance had his second Pro Day, uh, Buck. Not, not a lot of teams were there. It was basically a showcase event. When you think about the 49ers, the Falcons, uh, the Broncos, the Patriots kind of being the main teams there for that workout, what, what do you think could be accomplished in this second Pro Day?
2: Well, I mean, I think the second Pro Day is all about Uh, Trey Lance being able to show people up close and personal what he could do in their offense. Obviously, you understand that teams talk to the private coaches, and so they can script the workout to kind of check off some boxes in terms of, hey, let's see him on the move. Let's see him do some of these play action stuff. Let's see him throw some of these concepts. I think Trey Lance was able to just kind of bring some of that imagination to life, some of the creativity that offensive coordinators may have when thinking about how they can utilize him. Well, let's see him do it on the field. Now we really have a clear picture for how we can utilize him within our system.
0: Plus, it's another opportunity to be around the guy, right? You can get a chance to see what his presence looks like, what his uh, leadership looks like with his guys out there uh, on the field. So valuable experience for those teams that went there to check it out. And when we look at Trey Lance and how high he can go, uh, look, I think, I think it's in play. He's in play there at number three with the, with the 49ers. However, I think that's the ceiling, right? Because the guy that's gonna go number two to the New York Jets, I think we have a pretty good idea of who that guy is.
2: Can you talk a little bit about your first impression of Zach Wilson when you met him? He's got a real firm command of the
1: offense. He knows what he's doing. And he's got this gleam in his eye, this excitement for the game. People see that and go, oh, all right, I think
3: I think something really
2: cool is about to happen. Wilson, he's got an for the end zone. Wow. And he drops
3: it in beautifully. It's been great to see his development as a player. He's always been really special in terms of athleticism, And how much he loves the game, his approach, and his drive towards becoming the best he can be.
1: I don't care what sport it is. There's intangibles there that some people have and some players don't. Zach has those intangibles. Those are things that you have to do on the fly to make something out of nothing. Wilson will throw.
3: And arm strength lays it right in there
2: the same fast which he has in
1: football he had that on the basketball field
3: really competitive good leadership and he has a definite swagger in how he carries himself he liked to run guys over in high school
1: and that's why he's where he's
2: at right now is because no shot's a bad shot i can get by anybody
1: and to be at the level zach's at you you have to have that wilson to the back
3: corner. Wilson toward the end zone, and it is good Touchdown!
2: When I wrote in my notes while I was evaluating, I wrote down the natural. He can play on script or off the script.
3: At any time, he can make that game-breaking play. He doesn't need to force that ball on second down. He's never
1: met a throw he didn't like, and and he's never uh, seen a, a challenge that he was afraid to rise to. I love Aaron Rodgers, but I think Zach is a far superior athlete.
3: I'm control. I think
1: I've got he is a tough man because he does all the things that you
3: you ask of him, and then more. It's been cool to see that maturation process in terms of decision making, also in terms of rising to even becoming a better player. I've seen him when he's struggling with his own injuries, look out to serve others. Wilson into the end zone, and it is hauled in for the touchdown. He's got the mobility. He's got the arm strength. Wilson to throw. For me, it was
4: like, okay, this guy's got it. He's got a high level of competition. And I like this leadership. He has the ability to make you pay.
1: Play For the end zone. That's another night right there. He is one of the top athletes I have ever coached.
0: Oh, that is exciting. I cannot wait for this one. That's where we take a complete look at Zach Wilson's rise from those who are closest to him. Uh, Make sure you check out NFL.com, podcast, Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast provider during draft week to download this episode. In the meantime, the Trevor Lawrence 360, it's currently out right now. Um, Buck, I don't know about you, man, but to me, first of all, the team did a phenomenal job putting that all together with with all these conversations we've had and, and, and accompanying with the video here. But when you watch him on the on the court, I, I got a little geeked up a little bit seeing him go to the left, uh, dusting that one off a little Euro step, and then gave me a little left. That was nice. <laughs>
2: hey, he is a fantastic athlete. I think the athleticism shows up on the football field. And we have talked to several coaches about uh, multi-sport athletes playing the quarterback position. Uh, they've talked about basketball players in the vision. And when I look at Zach Wilson, I do believe he has satellite vision with eagle eyes, meaning he sees the entire field, but he's able to lock in and focus on his reads. That is something that some young quarterbacks are not able to do. And so when you take that and you complement it with his arm talent and his ability to operate on the move because of his athleticism, man, he's a tough quarterback to defend. And I think it's one of the reasons why the Jets coaching staff is very, very excited about what he could do if they select him. Over the next two drafts, uh, the
0: Jets have 21 picks in this draft and in the following draft. So if he's going to do something Sam Darnold wasn't able to do, which is be successful there with the New York Jets, they're going to need to hit on these picks. The good news, Buck, you look at the just sheer volume of picks that they have. You look at the two ones this year. Um, then you flip over to next year, two ones, two twos. I mean, they have a lot of resources. Where would you suggest they go with these other resources, provided <coughs> they do what we assume they're going to do and take Wilson at 2?
2: We know, like, like DJ, when, when I think about it, I think the first year has to be all about upgrading the offense to make the quarterback very, very comfortable. Um, so we can talk about um, Zach Wilson comes in. You need another playmaker at running back. Uh, they tried to add playmakers at wide receiver, but I would take a, another flyer on a wide receiver upgrading the offensive line. If you can find a playmate to go opposite Makai Beckton now you can run the football. You can throw comfortably off play action. Those things will work. The first year has to be about the commitment to Zach Wilson and making sure that he can get off to a fast start.
0: Yeah, I would love it if, if they could come out of the first three rounds. Again, this year they do have two threes as well as those two ones. If they could come out of that with two offensive linemen in the first three rounds that I think can be starters, you've got Becht Becton there. Now you've got a young nucleus of that front you can build around and protect him. And, and I, again, I would, I would tell Coach Sala and the defensive staff, guys – we went out and got you Carl Lawson. We, we did the best we could right now. You got to make do with what we got because we have to load up on offense to get them up and running on that side of the ball. But again, uh, just to kind of summarize it here, we do believe Zach Wilson is going to be the second pick, but his success is going to largely depend on what Joe Douglas is able to get accomplished with those other 20 picks over the next two drafts. Uh, all right, Buck, when we look at Trevor Lawrence, we can acknowledge he's going to be the first overall pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's let's look at that first overall quarterback group and, and kind of put into context where Trevor Lawrence would slide in. When we look at these guys that have gone uh, number one overall in the past few years.
2: I mean, look, I think he's in the upper tier. And that upper tier, in my mind, includes Andrew Luck and Cam Newton. I would think that he is right there, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Cam Newton in terms of coming out of college. And then the rest of the number ones, I think he's more talented. I think he's better prepared and he has done more things on a bigger stage than those other guys. And those other guys include Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Jerry Goff, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. Trevor Lawrence is the prototypical franchise quarterback prospect that every general manager wants. He has the size. He has the arm talent. He has the winning pedigree. He's displayed the leadership skills. It's really hard to nitpick his game and say, look, this is why he won't succeed. He is everything that you want in a prospect. And so I understand why it's kind of been uh, a very seamless process for him to be the number one overall pick.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's like we could poke holes in some of those other guys when you, you look at Kyler and Burrow were kind of they kind of came out of nowhere Baker even you know from from what you expected and then where he ended up getting he had some limitations there with the size and all those things. Um, and then Winston some turnovers I might mean, go through the list but Andrew Luck to me was as clean as it got and I would take Luck. Uh, over Trevor Lawrence but this is the closest thing to that as great as Cam was there was still okay there was that one unbelievable year um, there at Auburn so to me there's less questions about Trevor than anyone going all the way back to Andrew Luck I and mean, that's that's pretty darn good company
2: it is it is really good company um, he, he he's a unique player in terms of just how he's been able to handle everything from his freshman year on he came in with a lot of hype but he actually played up and lived up to all the expectations that were thrown on him and what he was supposed to do at Clemson. And if you go all the way back and you look at the background and you see how he was able to succeed in high school, then at college, and the maturity that he's displayed, look, there, there are no sure things in the National Football League, but I think if you're a general manager, particularly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you sleep well at night knowing that you've landed a franchise quarterback that appears to have all the things that are necessary to be a great one on the field.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you see your top five quarterback list there as you go through them. You see Trevor at the very top. And the the guy at the bottom, though, is one that's really fascinating in Mac Jones. And uh, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, there's a lot out there saying he's going to be the third overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we'll see how that goes down. But he is an interesting case study. And I know you had a chance recently uh, to visit with our buddy Trent Dilfer to get his thoughts on Mac Jones.
1: So I think one of the great things about Alabama's offense this year was how how mac jones ran the show he processed a lot of action in small amounts of time he was able to find their matchups that created the biggest advantages for him uh, he was highly precise as a thrower he's got very good throwing talent uh he where he lacks is the ability to play second reaction football uh so if you're drafting him you need to draft him to a situation where you're going to be more of an operator you're going to operate the offense you're going to have a lot of keys to the line of scrimmage to get into the best plays. He's as good as an athlete as Peyton Manning. He's as good as an athlete as Tom Brady. Uh, he needs to play that style of offense. If he is, if that's your plan for him, then he's a first-round pick.
0: Here's a scouting report on Mac Jones. I thought Trent Dilfer did a good job of explaining it. To me, the accuracy, the efficiency, um, just a touch thrower, good placement, Those things you don't question. It's some of those second reactionary throws he was talking about. Can you you have the twitch to be able to get away? And can you be at least a little bit of a threat uh, as a runner? Those are some of the downsides uh, there with Mac Jones. But to me, Bucky, it's an interesting case study and we had a little bit of this with Joe Burrow last year, where you have to be able to evaluate the individual player and, and kind of pull them out of the environment that they're in. I mean, with with everything he had in front of him, behind him at running back and out at wide receiver, um, it was, he was driving a Ferrari there uh, at Alabama. But you have to evaluate the individual skill set and how that translates to the next level, uh, kind of devoid of, of what's around him.
2: Yeah, because you have to be able to evaluate that unless you can recreate what Alabama has. And so a lot of this comes down to who are the teams that are really in serious contention to take Mac Jones? What is the play caller like and what does the play caller desire? We have talked about this in video game terms. Uh, If I'm a gamer, Mac Jones is the joystick, meaning Trent Differ talked about like, hey, he's an operator distributor. That's why I call him the joystick. All I need Mac Jones to do is to take what I'm thinking in my mind and just make it come to life in full practice. We're not going to ask him to do a lot of things on his own. We're going to create the environment where he can't mess up. So we're going to surround him with a talented offensive line, big-time playmakers. We're just going to let him play catch-and-run football and let the guys around him allow him to have success. If you can find that situation, Mac Jones certainly is worthy because he might be the best in the business at doing it that way. But if you need more of the extra, I don't know if Mac Jones can give you the extra.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's our trucks and trailers argument. We, we've been talking about trucks and trailers for a long time on the Movie Sticks podcast. There's a few quarterbacks that are trucks and what's around them is irrelevant. They can kind of pull everybody to, to the finish line. And then there's trailers, so they're going to get pulled by the supporting cast, and they're going to try and get to the same destination point, just doing it a different way. I definitely think that MAC is, is a trailer. I think you need to have those things in place. But if you do, uh, you can be very successful, because as Trent said, he is a distributor. He is an operator. Um, and when you have guys that can win one-on-one matchups, and you have a play caller and a play designer that can get you favorable matchups, um, and you've got a quarterback who can see the game the same way as the play caller, you can have tremendous success. And I think that is, that is why, look, if Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, I think he will be, he'll be fine. He's going to play well. They're going to win a lot of games. He's going to put up good numbers. He's going to be accurate and efficient. I don't think that Mac translates to all the other teams that are in the quarterback market quite as well. But I, like you said, Buck, to me, if you were going to say who can recreate Alabama in the NFL, I mean, put the Chiefs aside. Uh, but to me, the 49ers of the teams that need a quarterback, they can recreate that atmosphere more than any other team that needs one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why it's a really tricky situation when we talk about mock drafting. Right. Because you can mock Mac Jones to the 49ers while also making the admission. He's not as talented as Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. But what he might be is the better fit for what Kyle Shanahan envisions as his QB1 for his offense. You know, time will tell. The one thing in looking at Mac Jones in that scenario is how much better can he be at the next level? I know there's been the Tom Brady comparison, but Tom Brady has 20 plus years of cataloged experience that has allowed him to be the best of the business at. Uses utilizing his mind to win the pre-snap phase, how quickly can Mac Jones, after having seven collegiate starts, get up to snuff to being able to win the game using his IQ and instincts uh, to defeat defenses?
0: Yeah, no, what, that one full season this year uh, was fantastic, but it was just that one full season plus a couple games last year. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where Mac Jones lands. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he does at the next level. It is time to take the New England Patriots into the Move the Sticks body shop. And, Buck, this is a car that ran smoothly for about 20 years. I had a little hiccup last year. Uh, So we got to get this vehicle back up and running here. So we've got some work to do.
2: Yeah, we got plenty of work to do. And I think when we look at the needs, it has to start at the quarterback position. Uh, We can talk about Cam Newton and those other things. But we need quarterback to address. We need wide receiver, edge rusher, linebacker, and corner. Basically, the entire team needs to go and get overhauled. So we're going to try and work on that uh, while we have him in the body shop.
0: Yeah, we got him in the body shop. We talk about the engine being the draft. That's how you get this thing really rolling here. So uh, for for this exercise, Buck, I know we've talked a lot about on the show about maybe moving up potentially for a quarterback. Let's say they can't move up. Let's say the Patriots are stuck there at 15 what do they do?
2: Oh, I think they have to address the defense. And let's go to cornerback because cornerback is the most important position in this defense because they play so much man-to-man. How about Greg Newsom from Northwestern? And when I look at Greg Newsom, the reason why he really fits in New England, he's a versatile player. This is a guy that can do anything that you want to see on the island. He can play bump. He can play off. Man or zone. He has good instincts and awareness. To me, his game screams Patriots player.
0: Yeah, football smarts, right? That fits right in line with what the Patriots want to do and somebody they can find and play the ball very well. Uh, we get to pick 46. Again, we, we haven't been able to address the quarterback position, and it could fall this way. So let's let's look at some other areas of need. Let's go receiver, and let's go Rondale Moore. Who You want to talk about versatility, all the gadget stuff you want to do with him, fly sweeps, you could throw him in the backfield, um, just get the ball in his hands and the fun begins. And this New England offense has always been at its best when it's been built inside out. Julian Edelman retires, Buck, and we can slide Rondell Moore right in.
2: You know, he would be probably the most dynamic slot receiver that they've had, and that is an impressive uh, accomplishment when you consider Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Troy Brown. He's the most explosive when it comes to his speed, quickness, and burst. He would give them an added dimension on offense for sure.
0: All right, well, can we get a quarterback here? I know we haven't got one of these first couple picks. Anybody left?
2: Yeah, so we're going to take one. We're going to take Cal Trask with the third-round pick, 96 overall. And the reason why Cal Trask is a nice fit is because we have seen him operate as a distributor in this offense. And we understand Josh McDaniels can tweak the system to make it where it is all about getting the ball out, let the playmakers do the work. They've upgraded the playmakers around the quarterback with the two tight ends, John O. Smith, Hunter Henry, some of the weapons on the outside. Now you just need a playmaker that can get it to them and let them go to work. I think Cal Trask would certainly fit that role.
0: Yeah, the little buzz in league circles that the Patriots have been doing a lot of homework on Kyle Trask. All right, let's get to their last pick here uh, uh, that we're going to do today, pick number 120. And I'm going to go to South Carolina linebacker Ernest Jones. And the first tape I watched on Jones actually was against Florida, Buck. Um, he can play on the line of scrimmage, plays over tight ends. Man, he beat up Kyle Pitts pretty good in that game at the line of scrimmage. Very physical. Uh, he's got stopping power as a tackler. When he hits guys, it is over. Uh, to me, I think some of that versatility, some of that physicality would be appreciated by the New England Patriots. That's why I have Ernest Jones going to pick 120.
2: Yeah, well, the one thing you know about the Patriots, they like heavy-handed linebackers. They believe that their physicality and toughness gives them an edge over everybody. And so Ernest Jones' game is, is exactly what the Patriots like, typically at that position.
0: Yeah, there you go. We've got the uh, Patriots taken care of here today in the body shop.
3: Immediately, you recognize the talent level is just off the charts. A rare, rare physical specimen. Sometimes you think he's supernatural. Zips it downfield. That's a touchdown for Justin Huge for Fields. I did not know that Justin had a background in baseball. I met Justin
1: at a a youth camp. You could see the athleticism in him early. He was able to move really well. Playing baseball, he was really fluid with his motion.
3: He could have went to the next level in baseball, but his heart was set on football. Just to watch him drop back and throw the ball down the field, you knew you had somebody that was pretty special. And anytime you have a quarterback that can throw the ball the way he could, you know that good things are in store.
1: His delivery was already there. I think he's just a natural
3: thrower. You know, having a quarterback like Justin Fields, you thought outside the box. First time we put in Power Reed, he went 60 yards to the house. I think he was getting bored just with high school. You know, he needed a new challenge. I think the Elite 11 competition brought the best out of them. Oh, nice!
1: mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time with him as a counselor this summer at Elite 11. He's got that it quality where they make everybody around them better his size, his power output, his speed, and then a craftsman. Like, you don't, most of those guys are the butcher. You know, they have a big machete and they chop up meat. Very rarely do you find these players. They're also surgeons. They know how to handle the tiniest tool that can save your life. And he really approaches his craft with a burning desire to get better. He's gonna to go to the same place
3: DTR did. Touchdown. He's very poised, very steady, doesn't get rattled. He's 6'3", he's 225 pounds, he's smart, he's really, really accurate. Okay, can we coach? I <laughs> said, because you can't ask for any more than this. You watch him on tape and you just see this strong, powerful, like so hard to bring down in the pocket. I, I was so impressed. Then you get to see him in person, you get to meet him, and he's focused and he's determined and he works hard and he comes out here, he competes, and you can see why a guy like Justin Fields was able to play on such a big stage. He wants those moments. Field, down the It's been an awesome experience for me to be around him, to be in the film room, to get up on the whiteboard and talk through everything. He's already approaching things like a true professional. With his work ethic, his maturity, he just, it was all business. I mean, he just always wanted to continue to get better. For the back of the end zone, what a throw. I think he's one of the more competitively tough guys I've been around. And I think Justin went through adversity through the whole Georgia thing, getting here, changing schools. This is a tough, tough guy
1: who has uh, been very dependable for us. Field, again, has- very competitive and he'll fight you fight you to the end this is a position where you have to be a tough guy physically and mentally he's a tough man's tough guy uh, all the different things that's happened in his life he's developed a grit and a resolve and a toughness that i I will stamp it right now he'll be a wild success in the nfl because of that you know the team that gets justin's gonna really
3: like what he brings to the table i think the potential's through the roof he's got a huge ceiling it's gonna be fun to watch
0: Well, I think you got a little taste of it right there. The Justin Fields 360, where we take a complete look at this star's rise from those closest to him. It's going to be fantastic. You can check it out at NFL.com podcast, Spotify, Apple, your favorite podcast provider. That will be out draft week. Uh, All right, Buck, let's keep the conversation going here on Justin Fields and and let's find some fits for him. What do you think are the best fits for him at the next level?
2: You know, DJ, I think there are three teams that really stand out to me when I look at Justin Fields, San Francisco 49ers, the Denver Broncos and then the New England Patriots. When I think about the San Francisco 49ers, I just think about Kyle Shanahan having the opportunity to be able to take the traditional stuff that he's done with quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan and mix in some of that old school stuff that he did with Robert Griffin, the third with the Washington football team. Man, that combination with the talent that they have on the outside on the perimeter of the 49ers would make this offense downright scary. When you think about the Broncos, I think Pat Sherman would do a great job with the young quarterback, put him in a situation where he can succeed. And then with the New England Patriots, making an all-out, all-in commitment to that mobile quarterback. Cam Newton is there. You now have Justin Fields to develop. They have a mentor relationship already. I just think it would provide the Patriots an opportunity to really add some sizzle to an offense that needs an upgrade.
0: Well, can I make just a simple statement here, observation? If Justin Fields doesn't fit what you do, how about you change what you do? Uh, I mean, look, (laughs) this guy has got so much ability, Buck, and can do so many different things and can expand your playbook. Uh, to me, if you want to be stuck in the Stone Age and say, you know, we have to do this, this, and this, uh, well, you get what you deserve. To me, Justin Fields is one of those guys, if you're a team and you don't love your quarterback, you take Justin Fields and you, you can change a little bit of what you do to suit him. Uh, but man, it, to me, there's, again, there's four quarterbacks in my mind that are they're legit top 10 players in just about any draft. He's, he's one of them, however you stack them in there. Um, but I have a hard time looking at a team and saying, you know what, nah, it doesn't really fit there with Justin Fields.
2: No, I mean, I I think there is something to that, DJ. And I believe if you closely look at what Josh Allen has been able to do the first three years in the league with the Buffalo Bills and how the Buffalo Bills went all in on him and how they tweaked and refined their offense to make sure that they elevated Josh Allen's talent, I believe the same blueprint will work well with with Justin Fields. If you see where he is, see the talent that he brings to the table, build the offense around his strengths and slowly add pieces to his game, as he progresses, the offense will not only succeed, but I think Justin Fields will play at a superstar level.
0: Yeah, and and lastly, as we look at Justin, I always like to give out a little marketing advice to players. Hey, get yourself yourself a good cookie, and we go Mr. Fields cookies. We go Mr. Fields cookies, and off we go, and we are in business there. Uh, Anyways, that's free of charge. That's free of charge. Uh, Anyways, can't wait to see where Justin lands and what his NFL future holds. Okay, it's time. It's our favorite game. It's your favorite game. It's Wheel of Prospects. Uh, let's get it going this week. We're going to decide what position we're focusing on. We're going to find some teams, and then Bucky and I are going to come up with some names. So uh, you ready to get going, Buck? I think, you're, I think you're leading off today once we find out what position we have. we got to give it a spin there to figure out what we have first. Yeah, let's, let's get that wheel spinning and spin find out what position we have.
2: Ooh. Oh, that's up, not Buck. a surprise. That's not a surprise. The Las Vegas Raiders. So let's go with uh, Ian Book for the Raiders. Let's let's spin the wheel. Let's take him in maybe the fourth round because I think that's a good value for him. And when you think about the Raiders and John Gruden, look, if you check his history, he always loves these guys that have a little bit of athleticism. Doesn't necessarily have to have the biggest arm, but he likes the gutsy type. He fits. And when I look at Ian Book, I think about Jeff Garcia and some of the other quarterbacks that John Gruden has had throughout his time. I think this would be a nice fit, nice value in the fourth round.
0: I like it, too. That mobility and grittiness fits with Gruden. All right, let me uh, let me give this wheel a spin here see what team is up next uh, as we try and play matchmaker with quarterbacks. All right, let's see. Who do we have here? Oh, Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, uh, pick 55. Let's go Davis Mills from Stanford. I know only 11 starts with Davis Mills, but, man, there's a lot to dream on. Uh, when you look at just how pure his motion is, just a beautiful, beautiful stroke he has back there. You know, the knee brace, we know about the knee history, but he shed that for the pro day. He was moving around really well. I think he showed a little bit more athleticism to his game. So is uh, the number one quarterback coming out of high school for a reason, Buck. There's a lot to work with there uh, with Davis Mills. I like that fit with the Steelers.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt Davis Mills is going to have an opportunity to play in this league, and he's probably going to be a guy who's picked. A little higher than most people imagine at the end of the year, but he is fantastic when it comes to his athleticism. Here we go. Let me spin the wheel. I got one more spin. Let me see if I can win something with this spin. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. And I'm going to match them up with Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. We just talked about Davis Mills as a guy that could kind of rise up the charts. How about Kellen Mond also joining him there? you talk about a guy with 43 starts. He has been coached well under Jimbo Fisher, understands some of the nuances of playing the position, and like some of the other quarterbacks that we've seen have success, he offers a little bit as an athletic playmaker who can get out on the edges and make some things happen with his legs.
0: Uh, get in there and try and push Drew Locke. I like it. All right, uh, last one here. Let's get one more spin Uh, Who do we have? Give me one more team. We are looking at ah, the Patriots. We already took care of the Patriots. We're going to go – let's go Kyle Trask here. To me, I think he makes a lot of sense, Buck. Again, the size, the decision-making, the accuracy. uh, Those are traits that the New England Patriots – I think they had some success with a guy like that, didn't they?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think they've had success previously with guys like that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting to see you know, what, what the Patriots end up doing here. They're in a position where they could, again, vault up for a quarterback. Uh, do you sit back and be patient and see what falls to you at 15? Or do you maybe have your eyes on one of these middle-round guys or somebody outside the first round? I just think Kyle Trask, from a, a traditional standpoint, again, Josh McDaniels, I think he would dig what he brings to the table. <laughs>
4: I remember being around him for the first time in the summer, uh, you know, before school even starts. Shoot, here I am, a fifth-year senior, played a lot of football games, feel pretty good about it. And, and here walks Trey Lance, you know, six foot 6'4", 220 pounds as a, as a freshman. It was fun to have him because it was instant competition. You're like, man, this guy can, can really throw it. it. It's one thing, I think, to be careful with the football, uh, and there's another thing to value it. He was pushing the ball down the field and and trying to be explosive. And so I think that just speaks to the way he prepared during the week and, um, you know, obviously going out there and executing the plan on on Saturday.
0: I love it when we can go pro on prospect. And look at these North Dakota state quarterbacks. Just heard Easton (laughs) stick there talking about Trey Lance. You throw Carson Wentz into the mix. Uh, how about those numbers for those three studs? That is incredible. Uh, the five FCS titles there at the bottom. Uh, not a shock to see that success. All right, we had a chance to visit with Trey Lance. Bucky and I sat down with him uh, to get his thoughts on what's ahead. Uh, this, is, this has been a different year for all of us, but I, I would love to just uh, go inside what your routine has looked like since the pandemic hit and, uh, and trying to get yourself ready for what is a unique one-game college football season for you.
4: Yeah, it's been crazy. It seems like a while ago, you know, back in had having two practices of spring ball and then getting sent home, you know, thinking it's just going to be a, an extra week of spring break maybe, um, and then school being shut down and, and going back, shoot, it feels like forever ago. Um, but got a lot of opportunities uh, that I probably wouldn't have had. Got to talk and work with a lot of different people that I don't know if I would have, you know, during spring ball during a regular year. Um, so try to make the best out of it. Obviously, uh, like you said, this unique uh, situation I'm just thankful to have one game to play uh, with these seniors and and some of the guys that this will be their last, last time in pads. Um, So just super thankful for that opportunity. Obviously it's, it's weird situation. It's crazy. Um, Unprecedented, all those things, but uh, just excited for the opportunity.
2: You know, Trey, and and thinking about that because so much uh, going into this year was riding on your performance. People were excited about you. People were talking about you and your team and the way that you guys have dominated that level. But from a personal standpoint, how do you work on your game when you're not really able to get around coaches and stuff? Like, has everything been virtual for you or have you been able to kind of bounce around and have people do it? Like, what have you been able to do to continue to sharpen your skills?
4: Uh, you know, during the the middle, kind of the beginning of the pandemic, obviously we were all kind of sent home off campus and everything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, me being from Minnesota, uh, North Dakota was a lot more open. Uh, so we can get into gyms and get on fields a, a lot more readily than, than in Minnesota. Uh, so we had a solid group of guys offensively that, that came back during that, that summer period when we were, before we were shut down um, or while we were shut down, excuse me. Uh, but June 1st, all, all the guys on campus were back. Uh, so thankfully we were, we were able to, to get testing and things like that um, through our university and our athletic department. Uh, so super thankful for everyone involved in that. But uh These last few weeks, I mean, it's been pretty normal for us, obviously, you know, normal, as normal as as normal can be, I guess, during these times. Uh, But everyone's wearing masks, everyone's, you know, social distancing, things like that. Uh, But we've been back at practice. Uh, Coaches have been around, had meetings, you know. Obviously, I have had a few guys out, um, you know, with with symptoms or with, you know, positive test results. Uh, But our our health department and, and athletic department as a whole has done a really good job handling everything.
0: Trey, I want to go back to high school with you um, as somebody that was a multiple sports star, but uh, you played a couple different positions on the football field. Going through your recruiting process, uh, take us through that journey, what that was like and and what some schools were recruiting
4: uh, you as other than quarterback. Yes, yeah, so I'd say probably um, going into my sophomore year, I went to a lot of camps. Uh, I went to Nebraska. I went to Minnesota a couple times, uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, um, more local, I guess, uh, for the most part, schools recruited me at quarterback, but there were a few schools. Um, you know, if you would have asked me going into my sophomore year, I would have told you I was going to play quarterback at the University of Minnesota, um, no doubt in my mind, uh, just because I had some guys from my high school that, that played at Minnesota or were committed or signed, things like that. Um, but then with the coaching change and everything, Coach Fleck being hired, uh, he saw a different fit, and he had his quarterback already um, committed to him. Uh, at that point, going into my junior year, it would have been. Um, so he, he was very honest and upfront with me that they wanted to recruit me at, at – um, I play, to play receiver and safety, um, and I, at that point, I kind of knew I was a quarterback and wanted to be a quarterback. Um, so just, just said thank you, thank thank you to him. I was super thankful for that opportunity. Um, a few other schools in the Big Ten wanted me to play, you know, outside linebacker and things like that, uh, but I kind of knew I was a quarterback at that point. Um, committed to, to North Dakota State uh, pretty early in my recruiting process. In my junior, during my junior year, uh, I kind of never looked back. I that got to that point where I was kind of like, what am I waiting for? You know, my ultimate goal is to play at the next level and. And obviously, North Dakota State has been been sending guys to the next level for a long time, especially at the quarterback position.
2: You know, talk about that, because it is a very unique situation. North Dakota State has had, I mean, they've had a number of quarterbacks go. We think about Carson Wentz and Easton Stick. uh, You appear to be the next one in line. What is it about the culture or the setup that you guys have there that prepares quarterbacks to go on and advance beyond college?
4: Uh, the expectations are are kind of at a new level. I, I don't know if I would have been expecting it, uh, and also just the type of people that that we recruit here, or that we, I guess our coaching staff recruits here. Um, we don't have really guys that are that you know you have to worry about. You know, we don't have guys that that you have to worry about making decisions, bad, poor decisions off the field. We just don't don't have those guys here. Um, and just talking to a lot of guys uh, at other schools, you know, across the country, it's it's a lot different here than than other places. Um, you know, you get humbled your freshman year, regardless of what position you play. You know, playing quarterback, I'm probably more thankful that I don't have to deal with as much of the 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 rookie, you know, what punishments and things like that. Um, but uh, just like I said, it's just different. Uh, and meeting Easton during my recruiting process was a huge part of why I'm here now um, and, and why I decided to come here so early. Uh, just the type of person he was, he was willing to help me. Um, you know, my red shirt, my red shirt year, uh, my first year on campus, you know, Easton was a senior. I uh, kind of knew he'd have the opportunity to play at the next level. Um, and he, he didn't have to worry about anything uh, at that point. He definitely didn't have to help me as much as he did. You know, I was able to, to steal his notes and, and follow him around and kind of be his shadow for that first year. Um, and just, just how willing he was to, to answer my questions and and um, just just spend time with me. Uh, I think that, that says a lot about him and a lot about the, the culture here. Well,
0: we're, we're getting towards the end of baseball season right now. And in baseball, you have those hitting streaks and people are very uh, conscious when they have kind of a long hitting streak going. In football, you had a unique streak where you made it through the entire season without throwing an interception. At, at what point in time is this like week three, week four, where you're like, hold up, now, like I, I have no no picks. Like, were you were you thinking about that on a weekly basis? Because I've never seen it, it with a big time quarterback to make it through the full season without an interception. Uh, what was a what was the key to to you uh, protecting the football, and, and were you kind of thinking about that at all as you're going through it?
4: I uh, honestly didn't think about it. Uh, it was one of those things where, where guys brought it up. Uh, I guess guys didn't really bring it up. You know, it was one of those things where everyone kind of just knew an unwritten rule, we just don't talk about it. Uh, so, really, the only time I got asked about it was in the media. You know, on our media, our weekly media days was kind of the only time. And I was, you know, at that point, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm gonna, you know, Obviously, it's a good thing. I'm going to keep not trying to throw interceptions. But it's uh, <laughs> it wasn't where I, I went into every game thinking, you know, gosh, let's, I'm going to do everything I can to not throw an interception. Uh, but we do talk about it a lot. You know, the ball is the program the, and things like that. Uh, you don't want to end every dive with a kick, whether it's a point, extra point or a field goal. Um, so those things help, as well as our, our offensive staff does a great job. Um, and Zeb, Nolan, and Noah Sanders, my backup quarterbacks, um, helped me out a ton uh, on a weekly basis. But just the preparation, I think, like I said, that Easton taught me um, is a huge part of it. And the coaches, you know, our offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Roll, you know, making sure I feel comfortable with everything and, and me being able to sit in the offensive staff meetings and things like that. Uh, Just being on the same page with everyone, uh, whether it's our receivers and our coaches, I think is a huge part of it.
2: You know, Trey, when you look at the National Football League, it it seems like there's a bit of a revolution at the quarterback position. You're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Colin Murray, guys that are super athletic making all of these plays. So when you pattern your game, is there a player that you look to pattern? I didn't even mention Russell Wilson. Is there a player that you kind of model your game after when you think about it?
4: Uh, I don't know if there's one guy. I've obviously been asked this a lot. Uh, I like to take different pieces, um, had different opportunities to work with different guys like Dwayne Haskins, you know, Deshaun. Uh, Being able to take little things from their game. Uh, Just one thing I noticed specifically about when I threw with Deshaun, uh, just how relaxed he is. So that's kind of just one thing. I worked as much as I could, um, you know, this offseason and this this whole COVID time, Uh, being able to throw with him and Dwayne and just how smooth and relaxed they both are. Um, Obviously being able to throw with Carson and meet him, um, the preparation, things like that, uh, being able to watch watch football, watch quarterback play, I think it's something that every quarterback will tell you that, that you know, I'm not going to model my game after one guy, but try to take as many pieces as I can from as many guys as I can.
0: Trey, it's a leadership position that you play, um, and I would love to just get a little insight into what your leadership style looks like. Is there a, is there a moment or a story uh, you can share with us that, that kind of gives us a glimpse into what your leadership style looks like?
4: Um, I'll tell you, South Dakota State, fourth and one. Um, we are, shoot, fourth and one from probably our own 28-yard um, line, fourth quarter. Uh, you know, we got stopped on third down. It was fourth and one, and I'll tell you, there's no way I was coming off that field uh, as well as our offensive line. Uh, we were going to get that, you know, regardless of the situation in the game. Um, you know, we, we kind of preach a fourth and one mentality on every play. Um, you know, being efficient everything is really important, but we just up front, especially – you know, offensive line, just the love they have for me and the love I have for them uh, is different here. Uh, but I, I think, I guess, that, that kind of situation uh, kind of sums it up. You know, there was no way we were coming off the field. Just the confidence I had in my teammates and, and the work they put in to get to that point, uh, there was no way I was, I was not going to get them the opportunity. So what happened? you got to finish the story here. What happened then? Uh, Adam Cofield uh, handed it off. Adam Cofield took it about 75 yards to the house. <laughs> uh, ended up the game, kind of the game-winning touchdown. It was a big time.
2: <laughs> I'm man. to leave,
4: man. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> <I'm back. laughs>
2: um, That's great. So, so Trey, this is a, a, a unique set of circumstances. Obviously, you've gotten a lot of attention this offseason. People are talking about you. They're talking about you, not only what you guys do at that level, but what you potentially could do at the next level. You have a game coming up October 3rd against Central Arkansas. Do you feel any added pressure because this is kind of the only game on your your regular season schedule like is how are you how do you even treat this game going into it
4: uh just just another game just trying to go one and oh just treating like the first game of the season for us um you know obviously it'll be different not not having week two and week three you know and so on um, but uh, it's it's been a good opportunity for us and to learn and, and obviously central Arkansas having played you know two games already will play again you know this Saturday uh, it's good for us. I think it's a great thing for us to be able to watch watch their current film. You know, they're kind of still going to be banking on last year's film. Uh, and we've, you know, kind of grown and evolved a lot. But mentally, I don't think it's it's a whole lot different for me. Um, obviously, you know, the media and you guys are going to talk about everything, you know, that you need to talk about. Um, but for, for us, it's just a football game. I'm super excited for the opportunity. Uh, another game with our coaches, with, with these seniors, like I said, just sending them out the right way. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been right, you know, for some of the guys that won't be coming back in the spring. Um, for them to, to win a national championship, thinking they have a whole nother year left and, and never get to put the pads on again. Uh, so they're super thankful for them. Uh, that opportunity will, will be something they remember forever.
0: Last question for me. I know you got it. You got to run here and get ready uh, for, for your work there, but a lot of quarterbacks come from Texas and come from California. And a lot of times they'll get picked, you know, Josh Allen, uh, somebody who grew up in California, but then it gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Sam Darnold goes to the Jets. He's from Southern California. They always question, man, what are they gonna, these guys are doing do when they played in cold weather games? I would imagine spending your time in Minnesota and North Dakota, you have your fair share of cold weather stories. Give me your best cold weather game
4: story that you got. Ooh, I mean, there's plenty, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Thankfully, I didn't I didn't have any too bad games. Uh, there were some there were some practices where I was questioning a lot of things um this year but uh my senior year my last game my senior year actually uh it was a snowstorm it was a blizzard uh back in high school so I would say that was probably the worst the coldest experience I've had in the game uh but being up here you know we have a kind of a rule that your freshman year your your freshman year you you can't wear sleeves to practice at all so you're in short sleeves regardless of of what the temperature is uh so that was probably one of the one of the toughest things you know you're going out to practice and you already don't want to go out there because it's cold um, and then I see Easton Stick and, and all the other quarterbacks in, in hoodies uh, and sweatpants, <laughs> and you know, freezing my butt off. So uh, definitely had some of those experiences, but, it, you know, I'm better for it now.
0: That is phenomenal. Hey, man, you've been very generous with your time. We're going to be catching up with you as we go through the spring here. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. Absolutely.
2: Thank you guys so much.
0: Well, Buck, what, what do you think uh, Trey Lance
2: as we head towards the draft? Hey, look, man! I think he's one of the more talented prospects that we've seen. I think your comparison, you made this comparison a while ago, the Donovan McNabb comparison is really valid because I think when you look at the way Cherry Lance has played, the way he's size, his athleticism, his IQ, very, very similar to Super 5 that played in Philadelphia for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. No doubt. All right, well, this has been a fun episode today. Remember, you can look right down below us here. You can download the Move the Sticks podcast. Uh, you can find us at NFL.com slash podcast, Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast podcast provider and keep an eye out for the Justin Fields 360 episode that drops Sunday Zach Wilson 360 that will drop on Tuesday we'll see you next time right here on Move the
1: Sticks thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks for more go to nfl.com slash podcasts